On this week's Black Family Table Talk, Tony and I sit down with the Emmy Award-winning comedian and CNN host, W. Kamau Bell. We talk about his latest project, Do the Work, an anti-racist activity book. Listen up. Welcome to Season 7 of Black Family Table Talk. We are your hosts, Tony and Tony. Join us on our journey to discover ways to build a strong Black family. This week's special episode is brought to you by The Miss Pat Show. The Miss Pat Show is Emmy nominated after just one season. The critically acclaimed smash hit BET original series returns with a hilarious new season of Rome Folks Comedy. This season, Miss Pat works through the pain of the past to be the best wife, mom, and sister she can be. That doesn't mean she plans to stop laughing or cussing. But it does mean that she and her sister will weather the storm of loss and that she will have to work on her pronouns when she meets her daughter's girlfriend. With the support of her loving husband, Terry, and her therapist, all Miss Pat can do is win. The LA Times raves that you'll get that good laugh you needed from the Miss Pat Show. Catch a brand new season streaming August 11th only on BET+. To learn more, visit BET.plus. BET+, stream Black culture. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. Welcome to Black Family Table Talk, my brother. Thanks for having me. Oh, we are so excited to have you here. You got a new book out. Yes. Mr. Kamal Bell, do the work. Do the work. An anti-racist activity book. I mean, you have actually almost dedicated your entire life to countering the impact of racism. What what was your first memory? We'll get right into it. Okay, let's do it. (laughs) What was your first memory of a racist encounter. I mean, I think my first memory is even before I was aware. I mean, my, my mom has always told the story of how when I was probably like two or three years old, we were living in Indianapolis and we were going into a store and a white man in Indianapolis reached his hand out to rub my head. And she told him not to do that. And he mm. said, but it's good luck to rub a black boy's head. <laughs> Oh yeah, my. I read that. So <laughs> my even before I, I don't remember that, but my mom has told that story many times to just show that how early this race and this racism thing starts to affect us. I mean, we don't have to look any further than those two little beautiful black girls we saw trying to high five their favorite Sesame Street character and that mm-hmm. character saying no to them, that this stuff starts when you're a child. My other memory after that is, and I do remember this, when I was probably like six or seven years old and this age has changed now but the age at that point where you might walk down the street to the local store and buy some candy or a comic book that my mom walked me into the local this was in boston massachusetts where we lived i don't know if you heard about racism in boston but oh yeah oh yeah and she, she walked me down into the local convenience store where i might buy a candy or of something or like a magazine or something and she was like and she pointed at a man at the end of the aisle who was down the aisle from us and said that's the store detective he is going to, anytime you walk into a store, he's going to be walking around following you. 
And she pointed right at the man, and he looked at us like we like oh, what? Me? what? Uh, uh. <laughs> and she said, "So you need to be aware that when you're out in the world, that there are people following you because you're black and you're a young black boy, and they're going to think you're there to steal. So be aware of where your hands are. Be aware if you if you pick something up, it better be with the intention to buy it. Be aware that when you walk outside, always get a receipt. All these things that pe- that we do, and that was at the point where she thought maybe you could, you know, this was a point where black people thought post civil rights movement." We can perform our way out of racism. Mm-hmm. Whereas yeah. now we know it don't matter what you do as a black person in society, don't matter how well you perform or behave, you still might end up dead by the, at the hands of the state at the end of the day. Wow. Wow. So what do you think this is, book is going to do? What do you think? It, it's a tool? What do you think? Do you think people really care? I think people care, but the question is, do they want to do the work? And that's why the book is called Do the Work. It's do not because I think a lot of times we think, especially for white folks, becoming an anti-racist is about reading the book and then having the knowledge in your head, but then living your life the way you lived your life before. And every now and again at a, at a t- cocktail party, you say, well, I read Ibram X. Kendi's book. Now, those books are great. His book is great. Michelle Alexander's A New Jim Crow is great. There have been many books written about racism and anti-racism that are incredible. We just saw like a lot of people, especially in 2020, a lot of white folks thought changing their Instagram square to black was doing the work. They thought uh, a lot of people recently thought buying Juneteenth ice cream was doing the work. And we are saying, if you really want to do the work, it is it's something you do regularly. And it is not about what you, it's not about what you do on Instagram necessarily. It's not about buying Juneteenth ice cream. It's about, it's more locally about supporting a local black business and getting it, doing that work instead of buying Juneteenth ice cream from Walmart. What, what made you want to do, what was the, the impetus behind doing this book and why a work, workbook? I mean, where did that concept come from? I mean, so what was your things. thought process? One, it was 2020. I don't know if y'all remember 20. I think it was about 80 years ago, 2020. And uh, so we were in 2020 when we were all at home, many of us locked down, beginnings of COVID, watching the COVID counts go up. And that was all the news was about. And then one day the news said, watch this. And it was George Floyd being murdered by cops in Minneapolis. And it, and for a lot of people, that was the first time they ever watched one of those videos. They were really affected by it. A lot of these are white people. Whereas black folks, we, I feel like I've seen a lot of those videos. Maybe I've seen all of them. Maybe I've seen too many of them, but people are like, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. I was like, then you just opened your eyes recently to these things. So the idea being a lot of white folks got excited about being anti-racist and they bought a lot of these, a lot of the books on top of the bestseller list, the, the anti-racist books, which are all good books. But we were like, after you read those books, do you know what to do next? And then it was like, well, you can just write a book about here's the things you can do next. But we also wanted to make it. I'm a comedian. Kate's a, a writer. She's a funny writer. How do we make this? You know, it's about making the revolution irresistible. How do we make it so that you are doing the work, but you're having a good time do it? You're do, having a good time, do it. And that you understand that even after you finish the book, that's just the book that tells you how to do the work. There's still work that needs to be done. It's not just about reading the book. So at the same time, our kids were on, uh, we were on lockdown. Our kids weren't back in school yet because of COVID. So we were giving our kids these uh, brain quest workbooks to keep their brains active. And so it just became, what if we made a book like this for adults mm-hmm. about racism? It's like an anti-racist highlights magazine. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I love the way you put this, the comedic spin on it to lighten it because I think more uh, white people are more inclined to be racist than be called racist. Mm-hmm. So I think there's, there's a need to raise awareness around what really is 
racism because mm-hmm. I think what we're ha- what's happening in here is racism, but it's disguised as white privilege. Mm-hmm. It's disguised. So tell me the difference in your mind between racism and the preservation of white supremacy. I mean, I think it's all degrees. <laughs> I think that like there, there, I think we, too much in this country, we've over indexed on teaching people about the Ku Klux Klan as the leading avatars of racism. When in actuality, the system is the leading example of racism. The fact that like, if you are a black person, let's say your great grandmother bought a house uh, and was, uh, was lucky enough to be able to buy a house back in the day. And you, you still have that house in your family, which is unlikely with the way that the, that things happen in this country. But let's say your house still in that family. If your house is located in a traditionally redlined black neighborhood, then that house has not accrued value. And it just so happens that the number one way to create generational wealth in this country is through land ownership. But the way it has worked, that the minute black people buy a piece of property, our land is not going to accrue value the same way that white land accrues values. That's way more common that you're going to be screwed over by American capitalism as a black person than you're going to be than the Klan's going to come burn a cross on your lawn. So I think the idea being that the system is set up in inequitable ways and in just ways and racist ways that we can feel at all times. So that like literally you can't be a little kid high five and a Sesame Street character without America's system of white supremacy getting in the way. Well, this is Black Family Table Talk. And I can tell you, we we raised four kids and. And when when you say thank sister, you for your service, thank you. <laughs> yeah, and, right. And they're and they're they're going throughout this world, and we actually moved from a very all white town to Atlanta, mm-hmm. um, so that they could realize and recognize that all black people don't live in Trenton, uh, New mm-hmm. Jersey. But um, the, the 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 real point I want to make is ah, I forgot my point. See, it was about black families, and you raised four kids. Yeah, and- yeah, but I want. Oh, this is what I what, what I wanted to say. When when our kids were growing up, we um, because when you say systematic racism and banking, if I'm not a banker, if I'm just a housewife, I'm just a mom that's raising her kids, or I, you know, and and I'm a white woman in the suburbs, like we moved from, mm-hmm. and I'm just starting to see this little boy that my little little Jimmy or little Johnny played with, and his he's Cameron because that's my son's name, mm-hmm. and then Cameron gets to be six. And all of a sudden, Cameron's coming home saying, Mommy, they don't invite me to the birthday parties anymore. Johnny mm-hmm. had a birthday party. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and people people don't grasp that as being racist. Because when mm-hmm. you say system, it's oh, oh, it's out there. I don't have to take responsibility for, mm-hmm. for that. So how does this book counter that? Well, the book, it's, it so it's divided into five chapters. And the chapter starts with, first of all, it's about looking at yourself and what you know and what you have. So it's like the idea being that like we start on the inside and work our way out to the broader world. So if you have so if you actually forget the system, just who are you and what do you know? What have you experienced? What have you lived? What have you seen? Here's some other people who may not be like you who experience and seen different things. Can you just take that information in and learn from it without being defensive about it? Can you as a white person, a lot of the book is actually conversations between me and Kate and Kate in those conversations often models good listening. So if I say something is racist, she goes, tell me more about that instead of like, I don't believe you or that seem you're exaggerating. And so the idea being that like we in the book, it's five parts to work from your own personal who you are, what you are in the world through how do I then change the system? But we don't start with the system. We start with you. Very good. Very good. I have a question. Um, 
how do you plan to utilize do the work workbook in a climate where we have this issue about CRT? So, so how how do we balance that? How do we get the the word out? How do we get people to want to do the work if they don't want to know their own history of the country? Well, I think we have to really start to be smart about who we're who we're first. Who we who are we inviting to do the work? We can't start with the MAGA members. <laughs> like we can't start. And I think that if we think we're going to start with them, we're just going to be banging our heads against those red walls. I think you have to start with the white people who you know in your community and in your circle are the well-meaning whites who sit around going, "But what can I do? I mean, I know it's wrong, but what can I do? What can I do?" We start, okay, <laughs> we start with you because you say you want to do the work. And I'm going to help make it convenient for you to do the work. If you don't do it now, then you're saying you're fine with a racist society. So for me, I I think of these people as the people sitting on the fence, pretending like there's this on this side and this on that side. I'm saying come to the come to this side of the fence because on this sense we're on what I like to call the right side of history. So come to the right side of history. And I think as black folks in this country, CRT is just a new way in which white supremacy is trying to divide and separate and oppress us. You know. Sometimes you, I get caught up like, I can't believe how bad things are. And then the ghost of Harriet Tubman will be like, oh, is it hard? Are you having a hard time? Are you tired? Is it frustrating? Good job, ghost of Harriet Tubman. I'm, I, I'm actually in a very privileged position. So, yeah. Well, I, I, you know, you had, uh, you won an Emmy, and that was for your award-winning work with getting up close and personal with the KKK. What was the biggest <laughs> lesson and takeaway you, were, were, you learned from that? Uh, that it was very clear to me, and this is happening right now, that people take in misinformation as ways to not have to look at themselves. So a lot of the people in the KKK have been convinced that they they're uh, they don't have a job, they don't their town is bad, they don't have a good economy, and it's black people's fault. <laughs> as if as if we're the ones who ship their jobs overseas, or we're the ones who who are, we're the rich white politicians who are just taking from them instead of helping them. And I think we've seen that right now with all these people talking about the election was stolen instead of going, no, I think we just had a real bad candidate. So the idea being that like we we that misinformation has been has been confused with truth, and it is being weaponized by by very powerful people, by rich folks in media and outside of media as a way to accrue power for those rich and powerful people. And so that's, the Klan is no different. So they've been convinced that all of it was black people's fault, even though if you look around their town and go, I think this is big business's fault that you don't have a job. Oh, wow. I, I know a time is coming short. Um, I want to ask you, what are your, what's next for you and who do you want to work with in the future in this, in this topic, this subject? I mean, I'm really open to all parties and everybody who's who's a real uh, advocate and ally and wants to do this work. And I think I'm always looking for new ways to do the work. And like you said, I do it on my CNN show. I do it on uh, in this book. I do it in podcasting. I show I show up wherever I'm needed. And I just the thing I'm really trying to do now, it's not even who I want to work with on the outside. It's just I'm constantly working to bring in more people through the back doors of show business so that the show business can be more diverse behind the camera in addition to being diverse on camera. So I'm trying to work on getting more people in positions of power and authority behind the camera, who more people who look like me. 
That's phenomenal. I am the executive director of the Atlanta Black Theater Festival. I love to have you come and visit with us, talk to the writers, because we need writers in the room. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the name of the book is called Do the Work, an anti-racist activity book with W by W. Kamau Bell and Kate Schatz. Thank you so much for being a part of Black Family Table Talk. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. God bless. Thank you. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. That's Black Family Table Talk. That's what's up. That concludes this week's talk. We hope you found some tools to add to your strong Black Family toolbox. And be sure to sign up for a free subscription at blackfamilytabletalk.com for special discounts and product offers reserved exclusively for you. Don't forget to tell a friend about our weekly podcast and blog. Available on Apple Pod, Google, Pandora, Spotify, and everywhere podcasts are heard. Under Section 107 of the Copyright Act of 1976, allowance is made for fair use for purposes such as criticism, comment, news reporting, teaching, scholarship, and research. Fair use is abuse permitted by copyright statute that may otherwise be infringing. The news and opinions expressed on Black Family Table Talk do not necessarily reflect various platform hosts. All topics are for entertainment purposes, discretion is strongly advised, and all commentary is alleged. This is a Micah 68 Media LLC production.